Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review the show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. I'm your host, Wayne Liu, and I'm joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. The Raptors went one-on-one over the weekend. Nice win over Portland yesterday. Um, how you feeling, man? You good? Yeah, I feel good, man. It's a good weekend to, you know, refresh, think about the Raptors, mm. come back in, chat about it. Yeah. Yeah, how about you, brother? No, it was good. I think uh, just seeing the Raptors win last night, um, I think it – I didn't necessarily, like, change the vibes in the sense that, like, it's not like everyone was super happy. Obviously, I think people are pretty dissatisfied with the season to date. But mm. just seeing a game where, like, everybody contributed, I think that's the only time we've seen that happen this season. Yeah, the the bench extending the lead. Yeah, Nick Nurse the, ca- calling it. Uh, we we hit the lottery. Oh wow, is that what he said? Yeah. Wow, that's a. <laughs> that's he's a like, you know, we hit the lottery with the bench. And okay, I'm like, that's a backhanded compliment. He's like, it's uh, a one in six million chance of that happening, and it did today. Yeah, the starters gave the lead back though. Yeah, it's just you know, but it was whatever. A game it was a good win. It was a game of runs. It was a, it was a good win. And, it was a good win. And I'm happy that you know the bench got to keep the minutes down for the starters. I mean, look, the Raptors were, were way fresher down the stretch last night because the bench was able to actually come in and play 10, 15 minutes, which is like <laughs> just an average. Oh, there's no expectations for the yeah, bench. Actually, the thing you mentioned on the React pod, I think on Friday, because I think the Raptors last week, the bench was like bleeding two points every minute, right? Yes, yes. You were like, at some point, they should consider just holding the ball when they came in. <laughs> no, listen, my argument was, if you're going to lose by two points per minute, if you can hold 24 <laughs> seconds of just holding the ball and forcing a turnover and then getting yourself back on defense where you give up an average of about <laughs> one points per half-court possession, you'd give up actually mathematically less points per minute than two. No, that's... No, this is... um. No, that's that's analytics at its finest. But you've seen... Have you seen... Like, there's been a trend this season. Uh-huh. And I think John Morant did it last week where he where they roll the ball in. Oh, but yeah. the clock runs, right? And, and I think but the shot clock doesn't. They run. must practice this because yeah. obviously we've seen like essentially whatever you want to call that play, but like mm-hmm. we've seen it before, it's but they've got stall ball. They yeah. they've gotten into such a point now, the Grizzlies, mm-hmm. where they are able to both roll the ball out <laughs> so and keep it going, me. but also do it slow at a very slow, like, speed. Yeah, and, so and you it, can... It burns the max amount of time. <laughs> and you can really run, like, it. actually 20 seconds off the clock. I think it works a lot better when you have a really quick guard like Ja. Because once he picks yeah. up the ball and goes, then you're and, and you're in a standstill position. That's where you don't want to gamble and go for the ball. But, yeah. but this is yeah. a suggestion for the Raptors bench, is for, okay. for Malachi to just roll the ball and for the four guys to form a wall around the ball. And we make were, sure we're no running one... elevator doors just for an inbound. <laughs> Holy man! Yeah, um, but yeah, good bench performance. Honestly, great bench performance last night. And because they were able to play like 15 minutes or so, uh, the starters didn't have to play like 40 minutes. They played mm. in the mid 30s. Oh, great! And they were able to make a lot more hustle plays down the stretch. You know, I, I just mm. loved how they competed yesterday. I think that was like, for me, I keep thinking about the customer, all right, coming into that building, right? you know, spending $10 on a slice of pizza pizza. The customer is you know? always right. Yeah. And for them, they're coming because they have uh, a lot of faith in, in the Raptors. Yeah. They want to see Or their company team. has given them tickets. That's fine. Oh, okay, but yeah, go ahead. But, you know, ultimately, they're in for an entertainment product, yes. right? And when you want to see... The Raptors, what you want to see is their brand of basketball. I think everyone walked away happy from the arena last night because of how hard they played. Pascal diving on the floor, 
with Dame Lillard to, to win a loose ball. Pascal rotating yeah. over and blocking Dame at the rim. Yeah, Pascal you know, grabbing Dame's ankle. Yeah, that was not great. I'm not even going to lie. That's, <laughs> even I wouldn't do that at the three-on-three <laughs> tournament. But um, still, you know, Scotty winning a, a, a rebound over top of three guys um, to sort of secure the possession and then Pascal getting fouled after that uh, because of Scotty's hard work or, or Fred um, with the verticality on Dame Lillard, then knocking down two threes. And then him running through Nurkic and getting just completely flattened by a guy who's like 300 pounds. Mm. Um, but Fred taking that punishment so that the Raptors can get this win. And look, it took a lot to get them out of this game. Like at one point it became a three point game. And you know, when you have Dame Lillard on the other side and they're making that push yeah. and it's cuts down to three, like it's, it's truly like a danger zone scenario because he's that good. And we saw that last night. But obviously, Fred responded with those two threes, which is a huge moment, forcing Portland into a timeout. And then a couple more hustle plays down the stretch. And listen, you literally needed everybody to play well. You needed <laughs> to, to barely win. to come up with all Not these hustle game. plays. And then you still are in a tight game. And it's just a reminder that, like, nothing's going to really come easy for the Raptors. Like, I don't even remember the last time they blew a team out where it was chill. Yeah, even the Cleveland game, they're up a lot. But then it got tight at the end, yeah, too, right? Exactly, right? Even yeah. when they beat the Knicks on the road. It was, it was, obviously, it was a very tight game down oh, the stretch as well. Oh, that was a tight well. one, too. So, um, last night wasn't a chance to, yeah, the Hawks, way back in the day, I think that was on uh, on Halloween. You were 29 back then? I was 29 back then. Yeah. I was in a different decade. But, no, for yeah. real, like, it, it just seemed like the Raptors played really well last night. And, and, you know, they still were in a game. But that's what ultimately it takes if they want to turn the season around. And I know a lot of people are already on the on the side of we want to tank. If you want to turn the season around, like the Raptors got to play that hard consistently. Yeah, I think two things. I think, you know, you, you talk about player like Fred, you talk about the hustle that Pascal and, you know, Scotty and the rest of the guys out there yesterday. Like these guys are, are still competing. You know, I think the effort level has been questioned at times this season, you know, mm. from, from us and from the head coach. But you can see that they're out there fighting. And, and maybe even more discouraging sometimes is to see them fight this hard, especially the starting lineup and still come up short, right? But, you know, the compete level is is still there for me. And I think, you know, the other thing, if you want to say positive too, like there is a formula to, to the Raptors winning. Like you mentioned yesterday, you know, the starters played well. The bench was able to give them a lift. And, you know, we, we saw like when they beat Cleveland, you know, when, when the three-point shooting is there, like we, we know what it takes for this Raptors team to, to win games. Mm. It's just hard for them to hit that formula every night. Yeah, that's, that's the tough thing, right? Yeah, but I mean, I think also at the same time though, like, that kind of effort that they kind of played with last night, that all-out effort, winning the possession battle, they had 13 offensive rebounds to 10 for Portland. Mm -hmm. They forced Portland to 22 turnovers as a season high for them. Yeah, Those, the should, be, those should be turnovers. there, like, most nights. For, yeah, yeah, right? we know. I mean, look, I described it on the, the React pod, too, but the Raptors are a try-hard team. Yeah. They're not a team that But they're a try-hard team who, who hasn't tried hard at times this season. Yeah. And it's the problem. So when a try-hard team doesn't try hard, they're just a bad team. Yeah. So that's what they've been for the last month, but... I think that there is still that fight in them. And l listen, I'm not trying to say that like they, they have to play hard for 48 minutes every single game because that's not realistic. Nor am I saying that they can't um, ever have any lulls or that they don't sometimes play hard in games where they don't play that hard over the course of it. Or but like that next game, for example, right? Or sometimes like, they uh, you know just play hard in the last two minutes. That's that's what I'm saying, though. Like We see the fight, but it can't be for two minutes. I think it needs to be consistent throughout. <laughs> that's and, not a good product, going back to the customer. <laughs> you cannot make customers sit there for 46 minutes. <laughs> And then run a full court press like an elementary school team and, and fiercely try to come back every game. Uh, That's not how NBA I, teams I, I, win I know games. the Raptors are, they have to be leading the league in full court presses, man. <laughs> they have to.
Nobody's going to roll the ball against this Raptors team. If there's one thing we can oh, say about oh, this team. You, yeah, there's no, no, no there's one's no, no one's no rolling the ball. ball here. But yeah, so they get the win. Mm-hmm. And I thought I thought Christian Coloco was uh was a bright spot as yeah. well. I feel yeah. like, you know, he's he's been up and down. I know he had that he had that three-pointer to beat Phoenix, which was a nice highlight for him. Right. But he's been struggling of late. Uh, I think as you would expect from from a second rounder in his first season, but I feel like he's you know asserted himself nicely like yesterday and decent stretch. Yeah, no, here I, recently, I, I thought the Raptors got really strong production from their center spot last night, which mm. is something that I don't usually say. Um, but they had three guys play center. Scotty played center for the starting group defensively. Um, uh, then Thad Young came off the bench and played some center, and then Christian Coloco came off the bench and played some center. Now I think Christian probably would have played more than thirteen minutes if he had. Not been called for five fouls in those 13 minutes. Well, it's like, come on. Some of those are like, some of those are so light. Christian some hasn't gotten a single call this like, season. Like, he very cleanly blocked Damian Lillard yeah. and got called for the block. Including getting fined when Caleb Martin just straight up wanted to fight him. <laughs> yeah, what happened there? We still don't fully understand what, what specifically happened, even though I've interviewed him about it. Um, shout out to the Caleb Martin of his era, Caleb Martin. Um, but... Yeah, like I, I thought, I thought they got great production from the center spot because I thought Scotty obviously set the tone early. I liked him attacking, uh, you know, Nurkic in that deep drop. I'm sure we'll get to more of that conversation, but you know, I thought Christian did the f- great job coming in um, off the bench. There was a stretch there where uh, Portland didn't have a single field goal for nine minutes, and that mm. was between the end of the first quarter and the start of the second quarter. Christian was on for like out of those nine minutes, Christian was probably on for like seven of those. You know what I mean? And and I just thought that he was in a really great groove. I thought him, along with Precious Achua and Chris Boucher, really provided you with a really solid line of shot blockers. Mm-hmm. Considering those are your three best shot blockers, they're all on the floor at once together playing in a zone. You know, Portland didn't get a lot of chances to score at the rim at all. And not only that, though, when they were out there against Anthony Simons or against Dame Lillard, guys who are really, you know, prolific um Threats to pull up, obviously Dame being one of the best in the league, best in in history to do that to pull up off the uh, off the high screen. You need your centers to not only protect the rim, but you need them to be really mobile and come out to the three point line. And I thought that Christian did a great job of that, moving his feet. Thad Young did a great job of that, moving his feet. Um, and then Scotty did the same thing as well. And, and the mobility there was really able to sort of keep Dame from, you know, launching those bombs, which he did ultimately hit a couple, especially down the stretch there in the fourth quarter. But, you know, a lot of it was they were able to force Dame to sort of turn off that three-point shot and drive inside and look for kickouts. And that's how Dame had a, a lot of turnovers, seven for him, which is quite high for obviously a guy who's so experienced. And, um, yeah, I just I really enjoyed it. You know, a couple of blocks, a couple of charges. You know, you just rarely see that good of a production from the Raptors center position. But that actually kind of carried them last night. Yeah, and Scotty had a nice... Bounce back performance to 22 points, nine rebounds, four assists, three steals, two blocks. Like you mentioned, you know, a lot of questions I think asked of him last week as well about how he's been, uh, you know, the lack of aggressiveness and in the, in the first half and like dealing with teams playing the drop against him and how he's using that open space. And you saw yesterday, he, I think he did make a point to be way more aggressive yeah. in the first half, looking for a shot, getting to the basket and all that. And I think that, you know, obviously the the whole goal of Scotty being more aggressive against that drop coverage where essentially guys aren't really guarding him and giving him a ton of space is that you still need to be like involved and make plays where you pressure the rim. And there's so many different ways that you can do that, even against that style of coverage. I, I thought in the first quarter, he he took some jumpers took a three, made it, uh, took a mid-range jumper, made it, and stuff like that where it's just like, again, there's so much room out there. He's literally has every single option available to him. 
so he has that, and he, he hit a couple jumpers. The thing is, that didn't change Portland's defense at all. They're like, that's cool. We will live with you shooting 10 of these if you want to. But the thing is, no one really actually wants to see that style of offense, right? Mm-hmm. So instead, what they did was a lot more action flowing through Scotty Barnes, dribble handoff actions into, you know, OG Ananobi getting off of, you know, dribble handoff and attacking downhill or pulling up for mid-range or Gary Trent doing that or Fred doing that. There's different ways. Essentially, if you're given that huge gap as uh, by your defender, you can essentially transfer that gap to your teammate who might be a better jump shooter as so long as you set a good screen. So I thought he did a really great job with that. Um, but I also thought that, you know, yesterday, you know, in, in sort of like true like center fashion, they also did a great job of rolling to the rim, whether that was Stad Young, whether that was Christian Coloco, whether that was, was, was Scotty Barnes. And, you know, it's not just like you roll to the rim and you like dunk the ball all the time. I mean, for Christian, it is like that. And for Thad, I mean, he doesn't dunk the ball, but the little quick flip shot, right? <laughs> the, the pick and roll with, with the little flip at the end. Um, but for Scotty, what he has the ability to do is he can roll hard, take the contact. And we saw it twice in the fourth quarter, once where he found OG for three, once where he found Fred for three, where when Scotty's rolling and catching it on the move, he's still making a hard, aggressive move towards a shot blocker. It still pulls Portland's help defenders over. And then he's able to make the next pass out for the threes, which, you know, set up um, OG and, and Fred. So I just like the engagement. It was, it, he started early. He had an approach early. His approach changed as the game went on, adapted. But it showed like a real versatility in how he can attack that role. And again, like, I just think that this is where you can find the most production for him, right? This is the way you can get him the ball. This is the way you can get him involved. And then I think more than anything else, it's it's more important how you perform defensively. And I thought on that front, he was pretty admirable, right? He he wrestled Yusuf Nurkic all night. And it's not like, you whatever, Yusuf Nurkic was never going to pop off for like 30 points or anything like that. But the physicality to bump him and challenge him around the rim, you know, uh, box him out and all that kind of stuff, it takes a lot out of you. Obviously, with Nurkic being like at least 100 pounds heavier, but he did a good job. So I, I think, you know, there were really no complaints. And yet, <laughs> and yet, one of the big stories after the game was sort of like, why did Thad Young and... And Scotty Barnes get into that little thing, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Let's get to the to the drama now. Oh, and by the way, Otto Porter did not play yesterday. Just an update. You know, it's interesting because, uh, yeah, I haven't seen Otto in the last couple of days. Just, I was just at practice. Didn't, uh, didn't, did not find him. He was. Maybe he was in the back. He was showing up to the bench until recently, until right. last week, until right after uh, Nick Nurse provided the update that yeah. he was not close. Well, yeah, exactly. We would see him, work, like, obviously – you know, not dressed for the game. Right, but he'd be on um, the but bench. But he'd be on the bench. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't but been at the game. When we went to the Bucks game, I don't know if he was there. No, he wasn't the Knicks there. Knicks game wasn't there. At least yesterday, not on the bench. he wasn't there. Yeah. I didn't go yesterday, so this is just yeah, yeah, asking yeah, other yeah. people around. And then I practiced today. I didn't see him. Maybe yeah. he was... Uh, I'll, uh, I'll maybe, keep an eye. I'll keep an eye. he was dipping the toe in the ice tub. <laughs> yeah. it's, I don't know why it's the toe thing. You know Alex McKinney's staring at that toe like Westbrook was staring at that MVP trophy that one time. He's like, yo, just give me one hour with that. I'll turn them day to day in yeah. a real hurry. Anyway. Anyways, so. that was your auto porter. But like you mentioned, so there was this clip during, uh, this was halftime of yesterday's yeah. game. Yeah. Raptors came out to, to warm up. And mm-hmm. I guess if you're watching on, I think like a leak pass feed, they'll show you yes. the, the players getting warmed up. And then, you know, this was clips and obviously passed around uh, on social media of, you know, Thad Young and Scotty getting into a bit of a shouting match. And at one point, like Christian Coloco had to come in. Wancho had to come in. Oh, yeah. Wancho had to come in as well. Yeah. Uh, you know, great performance by the bench even at half. Um, Yo, they really care. To kind of settle the situation. And after the game, you know, uh, Scotty and Thad were both asked about it. Scotty said it was just a little disagreement. 
and that they hugged it out. And he said, quote, that's my boy. And then Thad Young was asked about it too. And here's what he had to say. He already said you guys are all right. So. Yeah, yeah, we just had a disagreement. You know, he actually told me <laughs> he loved me. <laughs> and I told him I love him back. <laughs> you know, so, you know, no different than, you know, brothers brothers going back and forth, you know, um, you know especially when we were both passionate about the game. And I think that's one of the biggest things. Um, you know, we're both passionate about what we're doing, our craft, and just making sure that, you know, we, we get, our, get ourselves a win. Yeah. When the, when, have we ever had an argument like that? Oh, I'm sure these arguments do happen. I just don't know how often they happen, like, on the floor where it's more visible. Yeah, listen, man. Like, like uh, I, I think, too, you look at where the Raptors are at, and we've talked about it. Like, I don't think we can expect everything to be great. Um, you know, just in the if, locker room. If everything the guys. was great, I'd actually find it to be a bigger issue. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and anything beyond, you know, um, beyond what, you know, these guys have said and what we've seen, I, I think it's just going into speculation. But at the same time, you know, I don't think anybody should be surprised as there's a bit of frustration or even friction in the locker room mm. right now because of where the team is at. Yeah, and uh, what can I say? So yesterday I wasn't at the arena. Mm. So today I went down to practice and just made sure to sort of get some more insight because obviously this is a big question that everyone asked about, right? Mm. And I think for me the the takeaway is that like the focus, it, it's it's sort of just like trying to get everyone focused for the game. Or anything else. It wasn't anything beyond that. Sure. It wasn't like a personality ripped or anything like that. It was really just about staying focused, staying locked in, being ready. We've obviously seen the Raptors struggle at third quarters this, this season, right? That could have easily been the script in last night's game where they kind of take the lead at halftime, but it's not a substantial lead, and then they don't really come out strong, and then Dame Loader hits like two or three threes or whatever, right? So the the thing was, it was just about focus, right? And we saw that in, there was an extended clip that was posted where Gary and, and Scotty were talking first too, like, that was the consistent message, and it was all towards one way. Like, it wasn't like, you know, essentially the whole idea was just let's, let's just get really focused for the game. And it's not to say that, like, Scotty wasn't focused. I mean, he was playing well in the first half as well, and it's not like he needs to always be told that, but I think it's just, like, that urgency from the team. You know, and when Thad Young comes over and speaks, when, when Fred comes over and speaks, it's the same message. And it's the same from Gary as well. So I think it was just, like, let's just make sure we start the game a third quarter well, and that's exactly what happened. Like, they, they won the third quarter by 10 points. And that mm. really changed the game and gave the Raptors that breathing room. Now, of course, it was a game of runs, so Portland was able to come back a little bit, and they started to close hard. But ultimately, like, that was sort of the message. And I think, you know, it's it's not it's not that uncommon, I would say. Um, I think that when you ask uh, a 21-year-old to be one of the pillars of your franchise, which is exactly what's happened so far, right, you might have to, like, live with some ups and downs. That's not to say other people don't make mistakes. You could be older and make mistakes, right? I'm sure... There are plays where Thad Young takes a playoff defensively or, or Fred takes a playoff defensively or whatever, right? The focus isn't always, like, consistent just because guys are older. But I think the approach is sort of trying to, like, get especially this, like, younger player who we have seen super high highs from but also pretty low lows from to just continue to really be engaged and sort of work, shop the focus. And it wasn't about last night's game. It really wasn't. It's just about a, a season-long kind of trend about just trying to stay on task and be – as engaged as possible. Yeah. And I think and whatever. It's just coming out and warming up for the second half. Like, it, it's not the biggest thing. Just because you take 10 X shots before halftime or whatever. Mm. Like, we see people kind of lollygagging for that. You know, yeah. but, um, and this won't be the last time. It won't be the first time. But, yeah, ultimately, that's really it. Yeah. And I think as a, you as a former, you know, recent 20 year old, you know, like sometimes, you know, younger guys like Scotty is what, 21, I think. I don't know. Sometimes, you know, you don't want to hear it from <laughs> from some of the guys. <laughs> you know, you know what what? I mean? That's actually kind of like if you came up to me and you he was like, I mean? no. yo, write 10 things right yeah. now. And I'm and, like, and, no. And you're like, you've been here twice. 
this month. <laughs> you talking to me right now? Uh, no, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's just a whole, just a bigger picture about just just locker rooms and stuff. Like, you know, like even when the Raptors were on their way to the championship, don't forget, like that 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 was not a good locker room. Yeah, but I mean, again, like it, it, there's like not a good locker room because there's like like hard personality yes. splits or there's not a good locker room because they're losing and people aren't necessarily I, happy with the situation. No, I, I think it. it's probably closer to that than anything else. I think so. Right. Um, but to be so. honest, I don't even, I don't even care about the drama. The ultimate thing is just like, can everyone work hard towards the goal of trying to win and, mm-hmm. and not even trying to win is in like, we don't tank the season or whatever. I, I understand that like, like it's probably more prudent at this mm-hmm. point to go in that direction. But my point is like long-term when you think about like eventually one day, Scotty Barnes inheriting this franchise and being that go-to guy. That's the standard that I would like to see him go up to the next 21-year-old who's like, you know, before shoot-around or whatever and just like kind of came with the same approach. You yeah. know what I mean? No, and for so, sure. But like you have to sort of instill that in the first place. That's all. Yeah, I think it does illustrate like it is interesting thinking about the, just the ages of the guys on the team, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a, clearly a divide, like the younger guys and not a divide in the way there's a divide in the locker room, but just a divide in, in, in the age groups, right? You got the Scotty, I think OG put there too, like Gary, and then, you know, the Fred and Pascals, and even the Thad, you know, Thad Young, even Chris, a bit older too. Yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting mix. I mean, it's an interesting mix, especially when when you're when you're struggling, is all I'm saying. Yeah, it, it is. But I mean, also at the same time, you you do see a larger trend, right? You you do see a larger trend. I mean, I think there's been multiple instances. Involving Nick, no, but involving that's, Masai, but that's what I'm saying. It's, the, I, like, I don't think it should surprise anybody that it's know. actually one continuous straight line. Yeah, yeah. Right? No, I just, I just don't think but, it should surprise anyone that there's some unhappiness uh, on that team. Uh, speaking of the other drama that everybody's was there other drama? Well, I think this is the number one conversation right now, uh, oh, dealing okay. with Fred Van Fleet's uh, contract situation, right? Oh, so so okay. Fred, yeah, yeah, right. Fred last week was talking on uh, JJ Reddick's podcast, and, and then. Uh, I believe it was uh, Josh Lundberg at TSN who reported in a story that, that Fred turned down a, a four-year extension for $114 million before the start of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Fred clarified his situation after yesterday's game, and here is what he had to say. There was never a formal offer made. It was a mutual decision by both sides that the smart thing to do would be to wait it out. There was no rush, given that I can still sign the extension all the way throughout the end of the season. I also have a player option in my contract this summer, and we can deal with that at the end of the season. So take my word for it, and I'm disappointed that it's come out. I don't want it to be a distraction. I'm completely focused on this team. My loyalty is to this team and to this franchise and trying to get us back to the level that we're accustomed to around here. Yeah, shout out to Aaron Rose, by the way, for clipping that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, my thing with this is uh, I'm, I'm not surprised that Fred made sure to come out and say it because no one asked Fred the question. Fred just made sure to say it individually and clarify the statement at the end of his press conference. So those are like a lot of the clips you hear are like prompted conversations. Mm-hmm. This one, he made sure to take his time out to say this because we've heard Fred talk about I mean, look, listen, Fred is the most requested Raptor, right? Like, in terms of, like, essentially the, the process works, like, the PR staff comes out, either that's pregame or uh, postgame or at practice, and they come out with the clipboard, and they're like, all right, who do you want for today, right? And people request. Fred is obviously requested all the time. Mm-hmm. Fred Van Vliet is right. <laughs> he's actually okay. right. Basically, yeah, he really is for, for the beat writers. Um, and so he's been asked about this quite a bit. And I remember even at uh, media day when he was asked about this, too, He's been very consistent on that sense of he doesn't, he's like, all he's really ever going to say about this is that him and Messiah and Bobby have a really good relationship. They're going to continue to work together and they're going to focus on the team, but they're not going to talk about their contract, right? So 
I don't think that it, he was particularly happy for that detail to come out. Mm-hmm. And so, therefore, he made that point to say, say it out loud. I think it's not a really good thing to sort of come out publicly, not just in the sense that, like, I don't think, for example, I would want my pop- contract negotiations to be put on air, you know, <laughs> no you comment. in the offseason, maybe a little different story. But the point is that, like, you know, this is not only a private thing, but I don't think it's good for the locker room or even in, in sure. good in terms of the overall discussion, right? Mm-hmm. When we're sort of now people are looking at him like, oh, he's money hungry or he wants mm-hmm. this and this and this, right? I mean, the reality is all the players want this and this and this, right? But it shouldn't really come out and become such a big talking point. And so Fred coming out and shutting it down, I thought it was important. Um, yeah, I mean, whether he wants that money or not, I mean, look, I, I thought in the offseason, if he was able to physically recover, that would have been a, a good price for what Fred provides for this team when fully healthy. And I'm talking about, like, start of last season when he was on an all-star level. At the same time, Fred probably looked at it like, at the start of last season when he was an all-star level, he was better than some of these other guys who signed these bigger deals in the offseason. And so it probably made more sense for him to wait a little bit longer, see in the offseason where the Raptors can offer him up to 130, mm-hmm. right? And so, you know, they just kind of waited it out. Plus, uh, because of the nature of the extension talks, they can technically go and sign that extension tomorrow, that 140. Right, he has until the end of the he, season, yeah. basically. Right? So, But the point is, though, I, I just didn't think that he really wanted it out there. And when mm-hmm. it was out there, I think he was it was smart for him to shut it down. Because, again, it's just not good productively for the team to sort of always constantly discuss this. Yeah, I think we've, con- you know, Fred's been in the spotlight, um, you know, as the team has struggled, as he has struggled. But like you said, I think he's repeatedly said even last week to reporters that he just wants to address all this stuff at the end of the season, right? Like, I think right now he just wants to focus on, on you know, the, the team and yeah, of kind course. of getting right himself. But. No, they're in a bad place. Like, I, this, this is not the time to really talk about, like, what he may want in the offseason. Yeah, Quite but, frankly, like, I think people can probably guess what he wants in the offseason without it being explicit. But I think for his focus right now, he's worried about how do you turn this thing around. Like, the, the thing about, uh, and what I've been wa- enjoying about watching this last little stretch here is sort of when that adversity hits, who's going to take over and take responsibility for this thing, right? And that Bucks game was so ugly and no one really played great mm. throughout the game. But to me, it was like I saw Fred trying to take responsibility for that team. And, you know, I thought he played well in that game. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he made the mistakes at the end. That's on him. But ultimately, you don't get to the end without him taking that responsibility on the first place. That next game, he was the only guy to show up for the Raptors. The only guy. Mm. And then this last game, I thought he played really well again. And that's not to say that, like, these three games are going to flip the season. My point is, when you are down, which guy is going to dig even deeper and try to get there? I was at the arena super early for some reason the other day, and I was at there, like, essentially at 4 o'clock. And usually, it's empty in there at 4 o'clock. Oh, usually, when you get into the arena at 4 o'clock, you get in there on the court, you just see dancers, like, warming up, Mm -hmm. or, like, people perform, like, practicing their their national anthems, or just whatever. Like, people... You You might see Isaiah Mobley. Yeah, Yeah, exactly, right? And and usually, like, probably two hours, maybe two hours, 30 before the game, that's when you start to see the third stringers roll in, Mm. right? And they start to get their shots up. I was a little surprised to see that, like, the first person there was Fred Van Vliet with, like, it was, like, probably 4.30, 4.30, game. And he went through about a 45-minute shooting workout, which is a lot longer than he usually does. Mm. And just to get his shots up. And then I saw that happen again the next time around when it came to the arena. And it's just like, to me, it's like, okay, look, he's getting extra shots up to make sure because obviously he's in a shooting funk and that's hurting the team, right? So that that I've been enjoying watching like sort of at least Fred trying to turn that around. And when he hit those two threes yesterday, let out that big scream, you could tell that it's sort of been weighing on him, not mm-hmm. just like how badly the team is playing, but probably also all the other stuff. The contracts out there, the criticism is out there. 
I think this is the first, this is the first time that he's dealing yeah. with this in his career. I mean, he's he's been on this upward yeah. trajectory for since he joined the league. You know, everybody yeah. knows his story. You know, going from undrafted to to where he's at now, and this mm-hmm. is the first time that I think the spotlight's been turned on him in 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 a negative way. So, yep. and it's coming at a very crucial time in his career mm-hmm. as he's potentially heading into. Uh, Free agency, but and listen, I understand if people are done with him, man. I totally get it. Like I, I see all the comments, man. It's very, very clear. And and then this is not me trying to defend him. This is just me seeing, showing you what I see. That's all. No, yeah. I get it, man. Stop defending. No, yourself. I just there's just such a strong like Raptors media is protecting Fred. Oh yeah, it's all and good. It's all good, bro. What do you want me to say, man? We're just here to chill, man. Anyways, we'll have uh, Michael Grange on the line. Maybe talk a little bit more about Fred. Oh okay. And some other things Can't after wait. the break. Okay. Is the break in the rundown this time? We are going to take a break. I've been your host, Will Lou. That's Alex Wong. You're listening to The Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Have you checked out Bet Rivers yet? Download the Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook app today. Get in the action this basketball season with thousands of betting options. Plus, don't forget about Bet Rivers Sportsbook award winning customer service. It's a whole new game with Bet Rivers online casino and sportsbook. Must be 19 plus, available in Ontario only. Please play responsibly. If you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. The most opinionated Maple Leaf show out there. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Raptor Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I'm your host, Wim Luke. I continue to be joined by producer and co-host Alex Wong. And we are joined on the line by Sportsnet's very own Michael Grange. Grange, how you doing? I'm excellent. Gentlemen, how are we? Uh, I, I was great, man. Just uh, went down to practice. Uh, not much happened, Grange. I'm not going to lie to you. Not much happened, no. I had to, uh, I had to, I had to go to the doctors. So oh. that, that was my excuse. I, it's not even, I'm not even making that up. All right. at practice. It's not even. There's not even a doctor's note. I just went. You know what I found out today, Grange. Uh, by the way, Grange, I hope you're okay. Um, I am good. All okay, right, good. No problem. All right. Um, Dress warm, Grange. I found out today <laughs> that there's there's attendance done on the media when we go down to practice. No, did you know this, really? Grange? Is this a thing that you've known about? I just found this. Out I today. did not know that. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah. How long How is the attendance? How long is the attendance? Good reporting on your part there, Will. Oh, thank it's you. Breaking yeah. news. Thank you. Um, and uh, yeah, Alex, uh, I think uh, your the, your your attendance record just says truant on it. <laughs> Damn. Well, sorry, just like man. school, Alex. Just got to produce, you know, trying to produce a show here. You, you, had, a, you had a meeting, man. You had a, you had a meeting, takes a, a producer's meeting. Takes a lot of work behind the scenes. All right, Grange. Damn, um, I didn't small, know that. Small t- yeah, me neither, honestly. I, it doesn't really matter, to be honest. I mean, what does it really change? But, um, yeah. So, Grange, we want to, to, to talk to you about, you know, Fred and his contractual mm-hmm. details. Obviously, Fred talked about it after the game yesterday. Made a point to sort of clarify and, and clear the air. Um, you, you, you put out the report in addition to Josh Lundberg, who was first on yep. this. Uh, that there were discussions around his deal in the offseason. Uh, the Raptors potentially may or may not have formally or un- informally or whatever offered four years, $114 million. Clearly, there's a good working relationship between um, Fred and the front office. But what, what, what can you tell us about sort of just like, um, you know, what those talks have been? And obviously, because that deal's still technically on the table to be signed, are there any sort of ongoing discussions on, around this? Yeah, I mean, we're into a ton of semantics here, I think. But uh, but I, and Fred, I give him a lot of credit for 
um, how he handled that the other day. And, and it, you know, I'm sure he wasn't all that, well, he said he wasn't all that thrilled about that stuff being out there. Um, and I think, you know, the way to kind of think about this is, yes, there were obviously conversations, um, you know, triggered by the CBA. He's two years out from a, from a deal, so he's eligible to sign an extension. But at that point, um, you know, it makes perfect sense why, um, certainly from Fred's side, uh, they would have wanted to kind of just table that and say, you know what, let's let's look into this in the summer. And I'm uh, going back to early in the season, talking with um, some people close to the situation. You, you know, everything was being considered, including, you know, the possibility, maybe even the likelihood of Fred uh, declaring himself a free agent and then having the opportunity to re-sign with the Raptors. The Raptors would have his bird rights at um, a new deal that would be over and above the um, you know the max extension he could get, which is four years, $114 million. And I think if you put all of that into context, Fred coming off an all-star season, uh, the you know the salary cap going up and projected to go up further. Um, it, you can see perfectly why he wouldn't be in a in a sprint, maybe not even a rush, um, to sign you know the four year 114 million. And then I kind of go back to um, we were in, I was in Edmonton um, for the Raptors exhibition game, and I think either just before or maybe just after that game, the Tyler Hero deal got announced. That's mm-hmm. like four years, 130. And, you know, we were kind of joking around and Fred's kind of, you know, figuratively rubbing his hands together, right? Like he's like, well, I'm an all-star. Tyler Hero's not. I play defense. Tyler Hero less so. Um, you know, and, and like I think there was a lot of excitement there. And I think if you kind of keep working through this and had Fred had the type of season in the first half that he had, last year certainly the first half but as an Mm all-star and had the raptors kind of been where they thought they would be let's say seven games over 500 versus whatever they are now six games under um you know all that makes perfect sense and i but i think what's a little awkward here is you know fred you know he's he's certainly playing much better lately but we all know he struggled to by his standards Mm -hmm. um statistically and and all of a sudden it's kind of the the fact that there may have been a, like, put it this way, I think had Fred put his hand up and said, yeah, I'll take that deal, the Raptors would have like, rushed over to give it to him. You know what I mean? Um, I just, where the economics of the league were and where it was headed and all of that. And that may still happen. Um, but I just think that, that that's why it was such a newsy thing. And, and, you know, whether there was a formal offer, could, you know, is that offer still on the table? Um, you know, I'm certainly not going to contradict Fred on that, but, uh, you know, I think it's for sure there was a discussion and there was a decision on each side to say, look, let's revisit this. And I would, I think what's relevant is to a certain degree, and we'll see how the rest of the season plays out, the dynamics of that discussion have probably changed a bit. Yeah, I mean, you know, even to your point, like, you know, if the Raptors were seven games over 500 rather than under it, Right, I think Fred obviously would be a big determinant in that as one of the lead guys on the team. I mean, like 100%, 100%. if he was playing at last season's level, I don't think anyone would have even sort of batted an eye. They probably would have looked at it like, yeah, that makes sense, right? Because right, you know, this is what the situation is. But of course, the season is fluid, and honestly, you know, Fred, even even with the last you know a couple of games here where he's played better, um, 
you know, the reality is he, he is still kind of struggling on the whole on the season. In fact, I thought that, you know, two of the bigger things that sort of happened to the Raptors this year in just terms of just like you needed to see more from these two guys um, for me was was Fred and, and, and Scotty. And both those guys have sort of shown more of late as well. But, you know, if Fred sort of doesn't turn it around or if he kind of continues to sort of be up and down the way he has been so far, do you think that 114 is still on the table? Is it less than 114? Does that become a problem? Like, can, uh, please well, look into your crystal ball, Grange. Thank you. Um, well, first of all, like according, what is it? Was it ever exactly on the table? I mean, we don't know. But would the Raptors do that deal uh, now? I'm not sure. Um, you know, I, I think it really is going is tied down to team success, and sure. that's yeah. why this is just such a like I've been doing this for a long time. As in, I, I hate to admit, but yes, it's been a long time, and I kind of go back, and there's never been a point like this in the last decade anyway maybe maybe 13 14 when it looked like um you know Masai came in and it looked like he was gonna you know really dismantle everything and, and came very close to doing it were it not for uh you know uh james dolan having second thoughts on kyle lowry um you know but since then like there, i can't really recall a moment where so many things are fluid and you know and, and so you kind of have to go back to other eras, other um, regimes, so to speak, to kind of get to a moment where you have this kind of feel. And the bottom line overall is, and this applies not only to Fred, but it will apply to you know anyone else in this kind of window or mixture, is if this, this team, if this group can't show that they are more competitive in the East than they've been, like, and I would say significantly more, there's going to, you know, a lot of people are going to be having a hard time getting <laughs> the money in the years that they would have hoped to in, in, if things were going better. And, you know, I just don't see how that, you know, the ownership and management would double down and reinvest and, and in fact, provide raises <laughs> to, you know, to a group that, that, you know, last year was as nice a year as it was. They were one and done in the playoffs. And this year is, who knows if they'd even make it. Um, and so I think that's where all of this gets, that's really, really dicey. And, um, and so, you know, could there be a scenario where, yeah, they do end up, you know, making that offer to Fred and, and, you know, Fred goes around the league and it's like, you know what, maybe there isn't that much money out for out there for me. This is the best deal I got, but, but maybe it's, it's a different type of deal, different years, but it's, it's given in a way that, maybe is designed that he makes it, he makes it a little easier to trade him. Um, you know, I think ultimately, as we all know, that like you can't afford to have a player as good as Fred and as important as Fred, uh, not be with your organization and not get some kind of, uh, return on that. Like it, to have him leave as a free agent, I think would be a big mistake. Yeah. And that's where a lot of this excitement or not, I shouldn't say excitement. I think a lot of this, I don't know. Drama is the right word. Like tension. <laughs> I think that's where it all comes from. Yeah, no doubt. And and you know what? Even thinking about that approach, I mean, the Raptors even took that approach with Kyle a couple of times. Yes. as well. I remember. No, that, and they, they, they took it with Fred too, by the way. Um, that's right, yeah. You know, if you, if you recall, like I mean, he was there was some thought maybe Phoenix was going to sweep in, maybe Detroit was going to sweep in, maybe maybe you know. I think the Knicks were involved. Yeah. Then retrospectively, the Knicks probably wish they had. 
Um, but you know, that offer didn't really come. And, 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 and that's, that's an interesting thing to keep in mind here too. Mm. And I'm glad you brought that up is, you know, Sigeri and Bobby Webster have done an excellent job at kind of calculating the market mm-hmm. and kind of looking out and seeing what is available out there, what is most likely that somebody else might offer, where they have to be, how confident they can be in letting a guy get to free agency, knowing that, you know, they can kind of take care of him on the back end and, and in the end they, you know, maybe they, you know, they don't lose the player. Um, that was Kyle's case both times going to free agency. That was certainly Fred's experience the first time he went to free agency. Um, and we'll see what, what happens this summer. Yeah, Grange. Um, it's a month before the trade deadline. I was reading a story from uh, Tim Bontemps at ESPN earlier today, and I was yep. here in Toronto for a bit, and he said that the team has insisted that they're going to take until the end of the month at least to decide where they're headed. You know, I know they started this homestay. A lot of people talking about this was such a crucial stretch for them with, with you know, two really disappointing losses. Um, even with the win yesterday, you know, they're obviously out of the playoff picture right now, out of the play-in. Um, where do you where do you see them right now? Because it seems like the whole league is just, um, at least everybody's saying, the whole league is just waiting for the Raptors to, to kind of decide which players to make available. Yeah, I mean, that, that was a similar finding I had when I wrote about that last week. And... Um, you know, I, I think they're definitely going to wait. Uh, you know, you can't, you know, unless somebody, nobody's going to give you their best offer now, a month out. Um, it might get a little more, you know, spicy as you get closer to February. And certainly that last week of February, first week of February, I think it's, that's where the intensity really, really picks up. Um, so I think that's, that's what's going on. But I mean, I think the, you know, the, the, the word is out there, right? <laughs> One way or the other, the word is out there is, you know, there are some players available for all the reasons we've been discussing. And the highest profile players, the ones that kind of might, you know, really move the needle for really, really good teams are depending on your adjectives, <laughs> right? They're, 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 you know, it's going to take a lot to move them. And that's, you know, G and Pascal, but, um, you know, I think the the bigger question is is you know where you know I, I stick to this is there is if the Raptors end up finishing tenth, ninth, eleventh, twelfth, um, you know even seventh or eighth, frankly, but but you know just kind of trying to squeeze out every last win and 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 not really making a ton of progress up the standings. Um, and they don't cl- carefully manage the talent base they have, and they end up drafting middle of the pack in a draft where you know you go up to top six, seven, certainly top three or four. There's just some extraordinary talent. You know that really sets you back as an organization. Mm-hmm. And, and I think everyone I speak to, you know, there's a real sense of uncertainty around what the right path is moving forward. And, you know, that's not to say it's it's uncertain because they just haven't arrived at a decision yet. And you can see why, because you start working through what one decision, how the one decision affects the next decision, affects the next decision. And it's a, like I said off the top, it's a really uh, tricky um, situation that, that I think the organization is in. Right. Um, 
I think one thing, if there's something that's sort of uniformly been reported, um, is that Gary Trent Jr. seems to be available on the trade market. Um, and I think maybe this is the sentiment I've seen a lot from fans is sort of just like if Gary's shot the ball so well and clearly he has, you know, he's still early in his career, he's only 23 or 24, why is it, a, you know, that a certainty versus like Fred's having a tough year, but it seems like the Raptors are probably going to move on and continue to stay with Fred. And in fact, they might even extend Fred to a, pre, a big deal. Why is it such that uh, Gary seems to not have that same maybe continuity on his side? Um, well, the one thing I can tell you is, is I don't think it is a certainty they, they trade him. Okay. Um, I think it's a certainty they listen, <laughs> right? And um, But I, I think, and, and again, like I think they, they like the player. Um, you know, and I think he's really earned some fans at all levels of the organization with the way he's handled himself right. since he had that slump. And, you know, and... and you know, be it coming off the bench. And, you know, I remember his first game coming off the bench. I wanted to talk to him after the game, and he was up in the gym at the top of the Scotiabank mm-hmm. Arena with uh, Rico Hines and his dad, Gary, putting in an extra workout. Uh, came down, and he was in the ladder. Like, it wasn't just, let's get a few shots up. Like, it was a, he went and did it. And, um, you know, and I think when you look at the results and how he's performed on the bench, off the bench, coming off the bench or starting, you know, he's really been earned a lot of respect, not that he didn't have it before, for how he's handled himself as a pro. Right. Um, and when you look at his profile, his age, those guys are hard to find. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, what's going to go into that is to the what degree of certainty do they have that they can sign him in this summer as a free agent? Because he's going to opt out, obviously. Yeah. And the worst thing, like it would just be a critical error worth all the criticism I think that would come management's way is if he goes to free agency, leaves, and, and they're left with, with nothing. Mm-hmm. So I think that's why, you know, there's, he's, in, you know, square in the bullseye of the trade market is because, um, you know, but uh, that said, I go back to conversations I had early in the year on this topic. And, and then I was told, no, there's no certainty we're going to trade this guy. Everyone thinks we're going to trade this guy, mm-hmm. but there's no certainty on that. Um, you know, but they, again, it would go to a careful calculation of what's out there, knowing that they would have bird rights on him. And, you know, so if they really, if it really came to that, they could, they could pay more than, than anyone else. Um, but it, clearly they would have a price tag above which they wouldn't want to go out, go over. Yeah. And, and listen, I mean, if they play themselves out of it and they, they really turn the season around and you decide to keep pay everyone at the end of the season, you're more likely looking at a situation where you're going to be either in the luxury tax immediately or in the very near future when Pascal and OG's contracts also come up. So it does feel like, yeah, you have, you have to make some of these decisions now, and especially if you want to be able to maintain your talent pool and continue to sort of have incoming pieces without guys sort of just walking for nothing. You have to make some of these decisions now. And, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, you've reported that OG's trade return would be very significant as well, and that's not a surprise. I, I see OG as somebody who that would hold up the trade market because if I'm a contender, I'm looking at OG Anobi and saying, if I can add him to my roster, I'm going to hold on to my chips and wait for, until he's on the table. 
right? And so you got to really see how that sort of situation goes out as well. But uh, yeah, finally, Grange, just real quick, um, I, just a couple of other ones we've seen out there. Are, are the Raptors still in on Jakob Pertl? We've seen the Raptors tied now to Kelly Oubre. What, what's 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 going on? Is What's your thoughts on yeah, that? Yeah, I mean, I think it more comes down to, uh, you know, do they want to kind of slide back and make sure that they're in the mix for, you know, the top end of the draft or they want to kind of push in. And, and, and again, I mean, you go, you know, the price I've heard consistently for Jakob is two firsts. You know, I don't know if they're unprotected. I don't, you know, like what kind of protections would be on that first, but it's not nothing. Um, and I would tell you, Bray, I mean, I'm not sure his contract status right now, but, he doesn't strike me as a Raptors player, to be honest. No, not at all. Uh, you know, so that one might be a little bit surprising. Maybe it's just one of those ones where you kind of, you know, I don't know. I, that one, I wouldn't, I wouldn't put too much into that. But, um, but I think it really comes to, is it worth, you know, again going back to this core, is it worth doubling down and, you know, dealing future assets to get a really good player, obviously in Yaka Pirtle. Mm-hmm. But again, um, it leaves you in a situation where if you're going to go that direction, you know, how much do you have to invest in the core around Yaka Pirtle now? And, and is that, is that something that gets you um, wins? And, and I think philosophically there's a view here that like, if you're just trying to build a 50 win team, mm-hmm. that's not, I mean, it's not nothing, but it's not, you know, if that's your end goal, you're, you're not winning the title. And so I think if you're trying to win a title and, you know, I think what's the, what's the path to winning a title. And um, I think that's really something that's, you know, part of the decision-making here. And, you know, if you have to take a couple of steps back to, you know, upgrade your overall elite talent to do that, maybe this is the time to do it. And, you know, and, and, but all these, the other thing too, as you guys know, all these decisions can get pushed, right? Like they're all good players if you do end up signing them, if you do end up in the summer, it's not like all of a sudden you can't, we can't, we won't be having a discussion a year ago. And in fact, that might end up be the most likely scenario, especially as it relates to OG who would have one year left on his deal and everything. But, but I think it really comes to, you know, what are you going to do between now and April? And if you're, you know, like in that old plan for what scenario, right. And, and, and how can you engineer the best outcome, whatever it might be. All right, Grange. Appreciate you for coming on the show and sharing us uh, your insight. And then, yeah, I'll see you at the arena on Tuesday when the Raptors play host to the Charlotte Hornets. But uh, for now, that does it for us today. I've been your host, Will Lou, and you've been listening to the Raptors show on the Sports Radio Network. Make sure you find the Raptors show wherever you listen to podcasts, and please subscribe and please rate and review the show. Thanks again to producer and co-host Alice Wong. Thanks to Michael Range. Thanks to our board producer, Derek Bendale and Jennifer Olnick for helping with the YouTube stream, and we'll be back tomorrow.